Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back. Uh, it's good to be with you again this week. Uh, super excited again to have uh, uh, Brother Kyle Lyons with us again. Woo-woo. Welcome. It's good to have you. I, I'm feeling really good because that woo-woo I just did came out way deeper than it normally oh, yeah. does. So I'm feeling like... <laughs> Manly. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back with you. It, it hasn't been too long since we had you on. Um, but, uh, I, you know, as I, as I prepare these uh, from week to week and I, I think about who I want to have come and be hosts and and whatnot. I, I, I kept coming back to you for the Easter episode. And I don't know whether it's that, um, you know, you don't typically teach a block every day, you don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and I didn't want to take away from someone that was trying to prepare. Um, but, but, but I also think that, uh, you know, as a young father, you've got some experiences with, uh, with little kids and just new life and, and things that I think are all about Easter. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, anyway, anything new? Just first about your children. You want to brag as a dad? Anything? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. You, you just mentioned that, and I just thought about Claire just the other day. Nikki was putting up the little Easter decorations, sure. and so there's this big bunny, and she calls those hop hops. Uh-huh, yeah. And so, I mean, <laughs> they're really like they're, it's just so interesting, right? As you know, parents will relate, but like. You know, before we had kids, I go to work and then I come home and it's just, I mean, I have yeah, so much time, yeah. you know, and and it was restful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just sent my family a, a little um, gif or gif, I don't know what yeah. how to pronounce it, yeah. but um, of of uh, from Braveheart, William Wallace yelling freedom, you know, <laughs> freedom. Yeah, right, yeah. We had just put down, down the kids to bed and that was just, that's literally what I felt. <laughs> you get 45 right? minutes of freedom. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, yes, freedom. <laughs> wait till they're, wait till they're teenagers because then they just sit in your room at the foot of your bed until you're literally asleep and they have to leave. Yeah, that, I don't mind that. Honestly, that would be fine. <laughs> but, uh, that's fun. But anyway, that's kind of, you know, just, it's just, I get home and it's like, it's, this is, it's go time. It's yeah. like as much as, you know, and my wife is the same way, right? She's working all day um, with the kids. And, yeah. but, but I walked in and she gets so, she gets these bright eyes and yeah. she points at this giant bunny. And she goes, hop, 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 hop. <laughs> and uh, there's just, you know, there's just so much joy in the things that create a lot of stress and work. It's kind of a yeah. weird combination, but, yeah. but I've just, I just feel like, some of the most joyful and fond memories I have were born in a lot of stress. Yeah. Man, and that isn't that going to be true for what we're going to talk about today? Yeah. I love that, Kyle. Thank you. Um, yeah, so today we're, uh, we're Easter week, right? We've yeah. We've got the, the week to just study the Savior's experience before, um, during, and, and after, especially His uh, uh, crucifixion and, and resurrection. But... Um, but maybe we'll start with this. When, before we before we start uh, recording these, we always say a prayer. And, and Kyle 
sit today said, you know, maybe we really need to say a prayer here because there's really no scripture block that we're given to just stay within. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I appreciated that invitation. So so Kyle offered the prayer and and uh, right now outside. <laughs> um, Kyle, describe what you see right now. We're looking out yeah. some windows. Well, yeah, we're looking out some windows, and <laughs> I just see wet. And, I mean, it is just, it snowed this morning here in Boise. Thank you for the late March, right. April. Yeah. You know, everyone's so thrilled about the snow still, right, right obviously. <laughs> but um, but we look out there, and it's just, it's like slushy now. And yeah. so it's like, it's like wetter than rain somehow. It's, yeah. redder, it's yeah. wetter than rain, yeah. wetter than snow. It's this in-between where we we got an inch or two of snow, and now it's just slush. Like, no matter where you step, like, your you're, socks are getting just wet. wet. Like, nobody in this building has dry socks <laughs> yeah, right no, now. No, which is true. just, you know, wet socks is about the worst thing. That. <laughs> yeah, and the roads by the Institute aren't great either, so there's like seven inches of water everywhere. Yeah, now, yeah, so. like the drainage <laughs> is like horrible, right? I'm trying, I'm like literally tiptoeing through snow. Right. You know, you're, you're stepping in, the, the slush is like splattering right. like onto your yeah. pants. Right. So, it was not fun. So in your prayer, you were grateful for the weather that we've received and the, and the moisture especially that we're receiving. But you said something interesting in there, and you talked about the beauty that comes after death. And I thought, man, how fitting is that for, um, for the, the discussion about Easter today? And, and I, I just, as I look out there, it's wet, it's cold. Like you said, it's wetter than rain, but there's not a leaf to be found on a tree. Everything's still dead. Death. Yeah, you just look out and it's it, just death. It's just miserable looking outside. And yet, I know, years of living in Boise, I know mm -hmm. that by the middle of April, every tree out there will have brand new leaves on it. It'll smell awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking two weeks, three weeks from now. Yeah. It'll be a completely different view out there, right? So beauty that no. comes after death. Right? It was a wood table. Yeah, when I just knocked when he said three <laughs> yeah. weeks, just saying so you know, on the wood we're table. Hoping, right? yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but I love that idea. So so walk us through that just a little bit in your thoughts as you were saying that and just maybe connect that to the to the uh, the atonement and the resurrection. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you guys listen, you know, listeners to this podcast, but I'm going to share a scripture in Matthew 28 here in a minute. So just so you know, if you want to go there, but I'm going to, can I share a story real yeah, quick? Yeah, please do. I, for some reason, it's, it's kind of odd sometimes the things we remember. You know, it's something like my child's birth, like you'd expect I remember that. Sure. My wedding day, you'd expect. And then yeah. there's these, there's these experiences that. Super random. Yeah. Don't feel like they're that significant. Sure. And yet you remember them forever. Yeah. I, I like to think that maybe there is something significant that I'm supposed to take away from yeah. remembering this. And I was on my mission in Pullman, Pullman Washington. And uh, for those of you who've been there, super hilly. Uh, it was a similar day to like today, right? It just snowed a ton. And it actually was at like the beautiful stage. You know how there's like the yeah. beauty stage and yeah. then like once it starts to melt in yeah, the cars so and it starts, yeah, it's it. not so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But when it first falls, it's just, it's white, it's gorgeous. and. We're walking down the road by this bus stop. The students there take buses quite frequently around. And we see this girl who just, like, you can just, like, you ever just looked at someone and you're like, oh my gosh, they are suffering yeah. so bad right now. Yeah. Like, just, uh, it's like you could just see just depression in its sure. entirety on her face and yeah. in her countenance, body language, et cetera. And so, so we, we stop and we start talking to her, just ask her how she's doing. And she's just like, it's just, and, I, I almost feel bad for her because I'm generally kind of perky and energetic. And when you're having a bad day, I might not be the person you want to see bouncing yeah. down the hall, like, <laughs> you know, the, the little bunny in Zootopia. 
<laughs> little bunny, you know, <laughs> yeah. Bunny foo foo, man. Yeah, bunny yeah. foo foo. <laughs> a little hop hop, as parents say. But um, for those of you that know me too, I'm also like basically four foot. No, I'm actually I'm five foot seven, but I'm yeah. short. Is yeah. the point? Yeah. So um, anyway, and so we're talking to her, and she just uh, she was living with her boyfriend, and he broke up with her that morning. Uh-huh. And so she is just like her life has just been turned upside down, and she's like, she doesn't know where she's gonna live. Like, and can, can you imagine that? Like. Yeah. I mean, some people can actually, but like that. Ju- so you leave for the day, and you know that you're going to go back because there's nowhere else to live, right? And you're going to sleep in the same place with this person that you love, l- loved, or yeah. l- she probably still does love, and sure. who just told you that he's moving on from you. Yeah, like that's just. So she's. This is the outlook, and and so we're talking. I'm like, isn't the snow so beautiful? This is before she tells us all that. Yeah, sure. This, this starts out. Isn't the snow beautiful? She's like, yeah, it's just going to be ugly. <laughs> like you know, she's like it is now, but it'll just turn to dark, to the ugly. It'll be ugly. It'll be yeah. black. It'll be gross. Like mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I kind of she went. Yeah, that's where she goes in her mind. And um, and and anyway, I could just in her life, and and she was right. Like the snow is gonna get ugly. Like it, there is a lot of death right now. Like as we look out these windows, and and in her life, that's what she was experiencing. Sure, um, and it made me think of this scripture, Matthew twenty eight. Where Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they come to the sepulcher, they see an angel in verse 3 whose countenance was like lightning. And the angel in, in verse 5, the angel, oh, sorry, excuse me, um, I'm reading the JST. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear ye not, for we know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see where the ploy, see the place where the Lord lay, and this that first phrase. He is not here, for he is risen. And I I know that that scripture is true. I know that he took, and maybe we'll talk about this, you know, in the episode a little bit more. But he took a few days that were pretty bad, mm-hmm. you know, in the garden it was yeah. not a fun experience for the Savior sure. we know. Right. Hanging on the cross was not a beautiful experience right, yeah. for the Savior that we know. Yeah. And he turns it into what we might consider the most glorious moment yeah. in the history of the world when Jesus Christ is, he comes back to life. Yeah. And, and similarly, as I look out the window, we see this water, we see this rain, and I know that in a month or two months or whatever, whenever we see the blossoms and the beauty, the flowers, the bees, the birds, like yep. whenever we see all those things in, in their full beauty, it would not have happened without yeah. the snow, and the muck and the rain that we are seeing outside right now. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. I I think uh, oftentimes we see our trials and the struggles that we're having. Um, we want God to just take them away. Right? Mm-hmm. We just want Him to remove it. It's hard. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have this experience. But that's like the whole plan. Right? The whole plan was come down here and learn to become like Him. Yeah. And and in order to do that, you have to have experiences that are teaching you to grow and stretch and break apart and be tilled up, right? Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of, of cultivation, right? That, yeah. That it, it, as, as, as important as we know it is in a farm, that's a brutal thing for the dirt. I mean, it yeah. is not a comfortable thing to get cultivated like that, right? And I think sometimes in our lives we're, we're cultivated, death happens, that, that mixing around happens, and we don't want it. We want God to take it away, and yet um, His purpose, Christ's purpose especially, is to help us through it, to help us go through it and to learn what we're supposed to. 
uh, to come to the other side of death or, or right. trial and see the beauty in what I've learned, the, the things that I've grown in, that I've become, right? Yeah. And I love how you bring up the the tilling of the dirt. There's so many allegories that that really clearly help us see, like, this is not a, a fun process, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I mean, if our heart is the dirt and we're tilling it and we're... <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm dunging about, dunging it. about it. Yeah, well, Jacob 5, right? right if yeah. we're the tree, right, we're being pruned, pruned. we're cutting branches. Like, if you're a tree, you do not want your branch cut off, right? You're dunging it. Like, right. I mean, dung is, right, okay, we don't want to find dung. You right. can look yeah. it up on Google, but dunging it, right, planting it, um, tilling about it. Like, if you're raking around a tree, like, trying to loosen the dirt, like, yeah. you better believe you're, you're getting some cuts on those roots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. with a shell. And, uh, and that's actually good for the plant on some levels, right? I, I on had a, every level, I, I had, I understand. Yeah, it. I had a grandfather who um, was a, a state agriculturalist, worked mm-hmm. in Boise State here at, mm-hmm. in, in town and and uh, taught the ag program, led the ag program mm-hmm. here. And uh, and I would go mow his lawn. He was like 85 years old. And uh-huh. I'd be up yeah. mowing his lawn. He'd like follow me like mm-hmm. just off my shoulder. And he'd tell me, I was young, you know, 10, 12, somewhere, somewhere in there. And he'd tell me not to worry about running over the, uh, like the ground cover plants when I'm mowing the lawn. Like, just go ahead, get in there and get the grass cut where you need yeah. to. And so I'm like hacking away at these beautiful little leaves and flowers and things. Yeah. He's like, no, just get in there and cut them out. And and I remember I would always leave and think, man, I just totally butchered his beautiful landscape, yeah. you know, flower beds. But I'd come back the next week and you couldn't even tell. You couldn't even tell I'd been in there and, and hacked away at things that the plant just was willing and able to grow itself back and 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 in a more healthy way maybe even mm-hmm. because it had been pruned back a little bit. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's just an interesting concept that that we don't want pruning. We don't want digging right. or dunging. We don't want any of that. But but that was the plan, wasn't it? That's that's what we all signed up for. Yeah, and as you were sharing that, I was just thinking, okay, so how do we, like we need to be more like plants, Yeah. right? Like so like what is it about and, and I'm not a, biologist so you know someone might call me out for this next statement but but as I think about plants I think well I know that uh, flowers and trees like they need the sun in order to grow right so they are basically programmed genetically to open up their their blossoms their leaves whatever in a way that allows them to get the most sunlight possible that's like always what they're aiming for right? right And that is what is able to to help them to thrive and to grow. And and I just know that's true about us too, right? Like we're going to get dunged. We're going to get cut down. Yep. We're going to have storms and and trials. And and I think one of the main messages of Easter is keep looking up. Yeah. Like keep, keep heading, keep growing towards the son of God in yeah. our case. Right. And if we will continue to, to seek him and come unto him, then then he's going to help us grow in exactly the way that Heavenly Father needs us to grow. Yeah, man, I really love that. It, it, just as you said, we're talking about plants in the sun. My mind went to Malachi, last chapter of Malachi. Um, it, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, All the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be as stubble in the day that cometh shall burn, um, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, But then verse 2, But unto you that... Um, fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise. Now, it's interesting in, in this verse because the Joseph Smith translation clarifies that son is S-O-N, but in mm-hmm. this verse in Malachi, it's been maybe mistranslated to S-U-N. Mm-hmm. The son of righteousness are, will arise with healing in his wings. 
He shall go forth and grow up as, and you shall grow forth and grow up as calves of the stall, tread down the wicked. And I just think it's maybe a fitting mistranslation that it's S U N and S O N work so so hand in hand. We learn in the Doctrine and Covenants uh, that the power of the Son S U N is the power of the Son S O N. Yeah, and uh, all all life is given power because of that S O N Son. Um, they're, they're just so hand in hand, and yet the sun causes, S-U-N, causes us strife and causes us trouble and trial sometimes that the sun, S-O-N, is there to help us through, right? Yeah, and what, I mean, I'm just obsessed with that phrase in verse 2. The sun of righteousness, righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Yeah. I Can I just share an experience where Please, I was yeah. healed yesterday yeah. by the sun of righteousness? Yeah. So I'm in the temple yesterday, and I just, not that we have to get into all my personal problems. I know this isn't a therapy session, <laughs> but... Um, Dr. Matt. Just, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but just, I just felt, and I, I just, I was in the chapel of the, the temple waiting for an endowment session, and uh, which don't we love, love the, the prophetic guidance and direction that we receive in, in all aspects of our lives, but but also recently in the case of the endowment session. But anyway, that's yeah. that's anyway that's some, the conversation for another time. But I'm sitting there in the chapel, and my prayer basically started, Heavenly Father, I feel so burdened right now. Mm-hmm. I just I feel way down, and I go through this list. I was in there for about 50 minutes before the session started. Five zero. Like five I, zero I, minutes. Yeah, it's five. like I was late. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you missed it. I'm not like righteous, like going early. It's like I'm a procrastinator, so I was late. And so then I got an extra 50 minutes to sit in there, you know, while I waited because I was late to the original That's session great. I was going to go to. But um, so I'm sitting there and just listing, I mean, for a long time, just like all these things that are causing me stress. And anyway, it made me think of Matthew 14. Um, which we read uh, this last week in Come Follow Me. But, uh, and I don't know how much you guys touched on in the podcast. We know that there's a storm and Jesus walks up and then uh, Peter's like, hey, let me come out there. And he says, okay. And Jesus says, um, come. So Peter answered and said, Lord, if it, thou be, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. In verse, 20, verse 29, and he, Jesus, said, come. And so then, of course, we know Peter goes out there, and while he is focused on the Savior, um, he's walking on the he's walking above, he's rising above these things that could be weighing him down. Like I, I like to think of each droplet yeah. as a trial, sure, yeah, or a burden, yeah, storm that was going on around him. Yeah, he's handling it exactly, and um, and then as soon as he takes his eyes off the Son of Righteousness. Mm-hmm. He starts to sink. Like these, these burdens, these trials, they start to drown him yeah, literally, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, it says, beginning to sink in verse 30, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And then verse 31, it says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand hmm. and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And I felt, I felt the Savior say that to me yesterday, by the way. And, and sometimes I read that and I'm like, that seems kind of rude. You know, like, oh, that little faith, but... You weakling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> but when he said it to me yesterday, um, the only thing I felt was love yeah. and hope. Yeah. And and I felt him immediately, immediately pull me out. But he didn't, uh, like, the storms were still, like, I didn't leave the, t- like, when I left the temple, all those burdens and stresses were still there. In my, they were still present in my True. life. And yeah. some of them even magnified. Yeah. But 
But to, for me yesterday, when the Savior pulled me immediately, right, when he immediately stretched forth his hand and caught me, it was more about an assurance, a hope, optimism, peace, yeah. and love, like that, that everything was going to be okay. Yeah, and the, and the storm didn't stop mm-hmm. because Jesus put his hand forth and grabbed you. Mm-hmm. The storms are still there. Storms yep. still happening. It didn't stop for Peter, right? They, mm-hmm. they get in the boat and there's, the storm's still going. And eventually the, storms, the storm stops, right? The storm calms. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's the message there is, is uh, Christ is there to help you through the storm. Yeah. Not to always stop the storm. Amen. That's, yeah, that's the message of Easter or one of the messages of Easter, right? right. You will experience suffering. You, you'll have Garden of Gethsemane moments. Right. You'll have hanging on cross moments. Yep. But through the power of Jesus Christ, you will rise above them. Yeah. And, and that's really, you know, as we dive into to the Easter experience maybe now, that, that Christ overcame physical death, which none of us could do on our own. Mm-hmm. Spiritual death, which, which none of us can do on our own. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we're, we're just so weak in, in the earthly fallen state. We're just not capable of it. And then add on top of those things, which are magnificently huge by themselves, but then all the pains and sicknesses and sadnesses and everything that is a condition of the fall, he covered as well. Um, his ability to help, um, whether it's to, to heal and fix uh, the elements, physically, uh, mm-hmm. emotionally, whatever, um, is always there, always present. But it may not happen now. It may not happen in this life, in this experience. I might go through my life with... Uh, mental struggles and, and emotional challenges and, yeah. and things like that. You know, you and I know uh, some families in, in locally around here that are that are just really struggling with with the loss of loved ones recently, um, who struggled with some things like that, mm-hmm. mental uh, mental health, and and sometimes those trials don't go away in this life. Um, but you know, it's interesting, and, and I'm going to bounce into the very middle of the experience here for mm-hmm. a second um, when Christ. Uh, had died on the cross. Um, there's there's a verse in Matthew. Uh, maybe I'll take you in there. Matthew 27. <clears throat> uh, Jesus had cried again. This is verse 50. With a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that as soon as Christ passes, the very first thing Matthew tells us about is the temple and the veil of the temple. Um, You know, in the temple, we learn a lot of things about um, connecting ourselves to Christ and making covenants that establish our, uh, a way to get back to the Father and to to make make covenants that help us remember the power that he really allows for us, the endowment of power is what we call it even, right? But there's an interesting component of the temple that I think is significant and ties to this that, <clears throat> you know, we learn, we learn in the temple that, that the Savior really is representing the veil. We, we yeah, the veil rep- yeah. represents the Savior. And, and it, isn't until, um, it isn't until Christ dies that the ability to do work for those that have passed is even an option. Right, and so, mm-hmm. so vicarious work for the dead doesn't happen until Christ goes and teaches those that had died before. We learned sure. that in section one thirty-eight, right? Yeah. 
uh, going and teaching even Adam. Here's mm-hmm. how you go and teach to those in prison, right? Um, but it's interesting to me that as soon as Christ passes, we, I think when we first read this, it's a bad thing. The temple, right? The veil of the temple is rent and it's, you know, the earth is angry and we, we read it in context with the other things um, that uh, were going on. The earth did quake and the rocks rent, right? Yeah. But, but consider it spiritually. All of a sudden, this veil in the temple that separated you from God, all of a sudden has holes in it, has cracks in it. There's a way to get through that for those that had passed on before, right? Mm-hmm. For you and I to, to gain power and authority and, and even knowledge to go through the veil, right? Yeah. Um, comes from Christ. And, and when Christ was, was crucified, that all of a sudden opened up, the, opened up the way to get from this side of the temple to that side of the temple. Yeah. To be with him in the celestial space, right? And, uh, and so I just read that and I think it's in a verse that speaks of kind of scary things. Yeah. Um, and maybe even painted a little bit in a in a scary way. Scary way. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, right? Yeah. But but cool that it was done right then. Right. Right. Well, and, and even before this moment, and, and certainly before the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the the tabernacle or the temple, that the holy of holies, which we might call the celestial room, sure, was only entered. By the high priests to clean it, <laughs> yeah, to clean it, and then Lights and incense. then right, and then once a year over and during the Passover, right, uh, and he right put on the ephod and yep. the robes, and he represented the Savior, exactly. to, right, going um, and representing us to the to Heavenly Father, and and now, so now Jesus Christ performs the atonement, his atonement, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now you and me when we go to the temple. Through the veil, through mm-hmm, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. we enter into the celestial kingdom. Right. So it's it's not whereas before it's it's, the, it's this beautiful symbol where Jesus Christ is the only being that could return to Heavenly Father's presence on His own merits. Yeah. Yeah. But now, because of what He did, all of us literally can return to His presence, and and even in the temple, yeah. we're symbolically. Uh, able to return to his presence through the Savior right. on an individual basis when we go to the temple. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and I think it ties us to him immediately after his death, right? Because he died, because he suffered, I now have the ability to do what he what the whole plan was about, right? Mm-hmm. I now have that capacity. And actually, the next verse, Matthew 27, verse 51, no, sorry, 52, and the graves were opened... And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. That, that first resurrection of Christ started the first resurrection, right? And, yeah. and those many of those that were righteous prior to Christ uh, were resurrected at the same time. I think that's a, it's a pretty big doctrine we kind of miss, right? A pretty mm-hmm. big experience that we don't mm-hmm. spend a lot of time talking yeah. about. And maybe rightfully that the, the, the resurrected Christ overshadows Right, the, sure. those that came before him, but but it's a significant thing. In fact, it's so significant that when Christ, sometime later, goes and visits the Nephites uh, after the first day or two of kind of interacting with the, the Nephites and letting them feel his wounds in his hands and his side, he gets after Nephi a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. He he says, uh, "Hey, will you go get your scriptures for me?" <laughs> and they do. They bring him the record and they set it down. and And he says, well, "Where's the record of Samuel the Lamanite that you guys wrote down?" And Nephi's like, we didn't write that down. He's like, well, you should have written that down. Because he testified that, prophesied that there were going to be righteous that would raise when I died. 
And did they not raise? Did you not see the righteous that came? And, and Nephi says, oh yeah, no, we did. We saw that. And Christ then says, you should probably write that down. <laughs> right? Like, so it was a big event. It was, yeah, it was a thing sure. that, that yeah. many all over the world saw. And again, it's a proof that prior to Christ, having the ability to take back our bodies was not an option. You know, from Adam's time. So you can imagine Adam's joy that day, right? Christ is, is resurrected. He's waited 6,000 years, 7,000 years maybe for mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that kind of an experience to have his body back. Um, again, we don't know who was resurrected, but it says many of the saints, uh, many bodies of the saints which had slept rose. And uh, I just think it's cool. That, you know, there's immediate proof of Christ's atonement having an effect on us. Yeah. Access to, to the celestial kingdom, access to our bodies again. You know, it's immediate, immediate proof. So it's just like yeah. going out to Peter and immediately reaching his hand out, right? Right. Did yeah. Didn't wait. I love that. I love your connection with the word immediate too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So let's maybe back up. We're, we're kind of going, I don't know, back yeah, We're all over the on. place, right? <laughs> let's back up to the, to the week. Um, the week that he had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we, if we look in the Come Follow Me block this week, it kind of describes his week and the things that happened in his week. And, and we, won't, uh, we won't try to pretend that we've got things to add that the Come Follow Me block isn't going to do much better than we would do. But, um, but maybe there's uh, just a discussion shortly about some of those experiences. Anything come to your mind? Um, you know, he's got his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, cleansing of the temple. Um, he taught in Jerusalem. I think this is one of the only times he actually teaches in Jerusalem. Um, uh, the Passover happens there while he's there, is suffering, obviously the trial, all the things. There's so much stuff that goes on. Uh, I just wonder if there's anything in particular you want to spend any time looking at. Yeah, well, I think I think we ought to spend some time in the garden. Okay. Right? A yeah. little bit at least. Yeah. Um, such an integral part of the atoning sacrifice. and. Yeah. And especially just a big part of kind of everything we've talked about so far. We've talked about his support and the way he's able to lift us. And and uh, he's able to do so in such a powerful way because of what happens in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, so this may be Matthew 26. Yep. Where you want to, want to look? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So we're in there at the beginning of the uh, chapter here. Uh, he's keeping the Passover, institutes the sacrament. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they sing a hymn. I'll just put that out there. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, the choir director of the yeah, institute. Yeah. Needs, <laughs> to be, needs to be out there. They sang. That's okay. Um, and then uh, they find their way over to the garden. Um, and, and maybe we talked about this just before we hit record that um, the Kidron Valley is to the kind of northeast of the of the city of Jerusalem. And, and in order to get to uh, the Mount of Olives where the, the mm -hmm. Garden of Gethsemane is, um, you have to go through that valley. And... Um, <clears throat> In the Psalms, uh, the, there's the famous verse, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. um, just interesting, and, it, and, and I don't ever like to get too deep into, you know, the Hebrew word for this means, yeah. right? But, uh, but it does. In, in, in this case, the Kidron Valley is um, the dark valley, um, the death valley, sometimes it's translated as. And I think that's significant, that the Savior had to go through literally death valley yeah. to get to the other side and um and that he uh, would would rise with healing in his wings from that space right that yeah that horribly dark space the death that we've talked about looking out the windows yeah. here, right um that that is how he had to get to um the the garden that day uh, was to go through that valley yeah and i, I love the you know in the scriptures we always like the amount every time i see the word mountain yeah 
I think temple. Sure. Right? Just, yeah. it's just there's always symbolized in the temple, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so so I always thought like what does the valley represent? Mm -hmm. Right? What are the valleys that mm -hmm. we have to go through before yeah. we're able to ascend on top of the mountain yeah. um, or the temple? And and uh, I'll just I'll actually read from Mark 14. Okay. But maybe I'll just read the, these verses yeah, that describe the Savior's atoning sacrifice yeah. and the valley that he went through before he was able to ascend yeah. above all I love things. It. So start so Mark 14, starting in verse 32. Okay. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tear ye here and watch. And he went forth a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass before him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Hmm. Yeah, tough, right? Maybe abandoned by his friends in his, you know, hardest time. Yeah. These, there's, I just love how, I just love the words that Mark uses. Sore amazed, mm -hmm. very heavy, exceedingly sorrowful unto death. What, what does that mean to be so sorrow, exceedingly sorrowful unto death? Mm -hmm. He falls on the ground, prays that the hour might pass by him, and then, of course, um, that beautiful phrase, uh, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Yeah. And I just think about everything that he went through there, and when we, th when we think about Easter, I just, we, can't, we can't not remember this moment where he takes upon him the sins of the world. And as Alma teaches us also in, in chapter 7, verses 11 through 13, the sins, the sicknesses, the infirmities, the weaknesses. Yeah. And, and why? So that he could succor us. Yeah. So that he could run to us and comfort us in whatever time of need we find ourselves. Yeah. I, I know that that's true about our Savior. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I appreciate that testimony. I, I am struck by... Um, <clears throat> his lack of inquiring about why, hmm. right? He doesn't ask why. You and I ask why all the time. All the I mean, time. At least I do. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, I do. But, I do. But we ask why all the time. And, 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 uh, and, and I think it's because if we know the why and we know what the outcome is going to be, then we somehow will be able to get through it better, right, or something. Yeah. And, and yet God doesn't give us whys almost ever, Right, I mean, mm -hmm. like, of the Ten Commandments, one has a why: honor yeah. thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. That yeah. They don't yeah. kill you, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a reason, right? But but Elder Oaks has said, in less than one in a hundred cases, does God ever give a reason for a revelation? And and so he just isn't in in it isn't in him to say why. He doesn't tell us why. Yeah, and when um, we think we know why, it's yeah, usually uh, well, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like he'll give us a revelation, and then we fabricate the right. why. Yeah, and not exactly. that we're not that we're always wrong necessarily. No. Yeah. And Elder Bednar on the in that word fabrication, Elder Bednar says um, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't quote him perfectly on this. Um, effectively, when we give a reason for revelation, we are always fabricating the reason. Unless God has said why, we are always fabricating. And then he goes so far Elder Bednar does to say 
even in receiving a calling. When a calling is extended to you and uh, a priesthood leader says, we're giving you this calling because, Elder Bednar would say, whatever is said after because is being made up. Because unless God came to that bishop and said, this is why mm -hmm. this person's getting this calling that clearly, even the reasons that a bishop or a state president has that come to them is really just the revelation that comes to get the right person in their in their mind, right? Yeah. It's it's the information that leads to revelation, but the information is not the revelation, yeah. right? Right. Um, and so it, I think it's just an important component. If that's ever been told to you, this is why you have this calling, or this is yeah. That just to recognize that's just a a foible in man that we feel yeah. like we need to kind of figure out why all the answers and. And we just don't. We don't have those. And the Savior here never says why. He's miserable mm -hmm. in this experience, to, nigh unto death even, right? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't ask why. He's, he understands the plan enough to know his place in the plan and why he's going through what he's going through. And if he doesn't have the answers, he's willing to set that question why on the shelf and wait to the other side of the veil when he knows he'll get the answer from a loving God who has a plan. Right. Right. And I, I love that that you brought up the why part of this because I don't think, like, you know, in, in our people that aren't members of the church, um, they, they kind of view us as brainwashed sometimes. Right? Sure. They can, you know, you, on your mission, how many times do you hear the, don't, yeah. don't drink the Kool-Aid? Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like this idea that, <laughs> right. oh, we, you know, we raise our children in a way that we teach them to not think outside the box or to sure. not think critically or to not question and, sure. and things like that. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ did not, he, I mean, he didn't ask why yeah. in these verses that we read. And I don't think he didn't ask because of what he didn't know. Yeah. I think the reason he didn't care about the why is because of what he does know. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say the same about myself. Yeah. I will follow the prophet yep. blindly. Per perfect, yep. And it's not because of what I don't know. It's not because I feel like, I, you know, I've, I'm... I'm wanting to follow blindly or because I don't care or because I don't question or because I don't inquire. It's because I've had so many experiences with God mm -hmm. and specifically in following the prophet that like I, I'm okay. I'm okay not knowing why. Know I don't need why, to know right? why. I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, I've, I've, I've experienced enough that I can just go forward with faith, yeah. right? Not, not really caring even yeah. about the why sometimes. And I think that's how the Savior, in fact, can I just read... Um, from section 19. Sure. I love this because in Mark and Matthew, Luke and John, we get a second-hand account of the Savior's atoned sacrifice. Yeah, you're right. In section 19, we get his first-hand account. First -hand the account. only first-hand account that I am aware of. Yeah, I think you're right. And he says, um, I'll take a little bit out of context. He says, which suffering, meaning the suffering he's felt in the Garden of Gethsemane, which suffering caused myself even God, the greatest of all, hmm. to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Hmm. And so I guess in this specific situation, maybe the Savior does know why. I don't know sure. what he knew or didn't know. I mean, he says... Myself, even God, the greatest of all. So obviously he knows a little bit, right? Right. But in principle, I just, I know that the Savior lives, that he's restored his church on the earth today. And and even though I still do it, I still do question why, because I'm imperfect and immortal sure. and all of that, right? right? 
I am, I am, I am more than okay. I'm, I'm thrilled to follow him or his prophet blindly. Yeah. Not because of what I don't know, but because of what I do know. Yeah, no, that's powerful. I, I think it's super important. You know, I've taught um, seminary classes for years and years talking about my blue tie. And I always wear a blue tie the day I'm going to have this conversation where, where I say, you know, if President Nelson ever just told us no more blue ties, I take my tie off right then. I don't even need to know why. I would just take my tie off and I would never wear a blue tie again. And it, and it isn't because I need to know, like you said, I, I, not because I don't know the answer. I just, I don't need to know the answer, right? I, I, well said, I just yeah. don't need to know the answer to some things. And, um, and then that, that statement that I'd made for years and years is tested a little bit when COVID happens, mm -hmm. right? And it, this is maybe a little bit uh, controversial to have this conversation even here, but but uh, let's do it, man. When when President Nelson makes a comment about the COVID vaccine, <clears throat> because it had been a year of us listening to the media back and forth, and the and everything, all the all the health professionals and everything back and forth. By the time President Nelson made a statement, we'd all kind of made up our minds one way or the other. And then President Nelson's statement was either in support of or against, maybe in some ways, the things that that we were individually thinking. And effectively, it was a blue tie moment for me where President Nelson invited us. He didn't command us to go get a vaccine, right? He invited us to talk with our healthcare professionals. And if it works for us and if it if it is a is a going to be an okay thing for us medically that we should maybe consider going and getting the vaccine, right? And, and there yeah. were so many uh, that I was around who made statements like, where does he have authority to tell me about getting a vaccine or, or feeling like he, this isn't his place? Or, and, and I just remember back to my blue tie statements thinking, well, what things do I not want my prophet to tell me? And am I, am, yeah. should, I, should I want that? Should I not want him to speak about yeah. certain things? Or shouldn't I want him to tell me about everything? And, and uh, you know, I'm an asthmatic. And, and my doctor and I had talked about it before and about maybe not getting the vaccine and, and uh, just because of my health condition before. <clears throat> but President Nelson came out with that statement. And, and I said, you know, I'm going to have that conversation again. I just want to make sure that that's where we were. Well, three or four months had passed since... Uh, um, you know, I had originally had the conversation and we had learned some more things about the vaccine in that three or four months. And the second time I talked to my doctor, he said, you know, we're, we're learning that it maybe doesn't affect asthmatics as, as negatively as it mm -hmm. might. Um, and so, yeah, if, you know, if that's something you want to do, feel free. And, and, and I won't say whether I did or I didn't here, but, but, um, but I, I do think that whether I know the answers or not, whether I know the, the whys or not, I know, I know this for a fact. If President Nelson had a year before COVID happened said there's going to be a, 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 an illness that comes when it comes, get the vaccine. Had he prophesied about it a year in advance, mm -hmm. everybody in the church would have gone and gotten the vaccine, no questions, right? But sure. because it was something that had happened after, um, there was a lot more questions about it. And we, the, the blue tie thing becomes a little harder to, to follow because we don't understand the whys. We want the whys. We think we have our own whys. Um, and that makes us wise. <laughs> See what I did there, wise and wise. Yeah, yeah, well, good yeah, good Thank job, you. good job. I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I, I just think there's, I think there's some value in being okay, not having all the wise. And I don't think the Savior did uh, in the garden there, understanding what he was about to go through. But but again, I think you're right. He he understood it because uh, he had studied. He had he had become very aware and 
and personally associated himself knowing his role, knowing who he was supposed to be. Um, and so how much of the why did he already understand? Probably all of it. Yeah. Um, but, but maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe there were parts of it that God just said, I want you to have to go through this and maybe not have all the answers here. But Sure. But, but either way, he did it. Yeah, and whether or not that was the case with the Savior, that is the case with us. Oh, yeah, right? for sure, right. And I, I just loved, um, I, I, I just, I'm just so grateful for this conversation about prophets. And I just, because, you know, during Easter weekend, I, I don't know that I always think of prophets as a po- and apostles as one of the messages of Easter, sure. but who does Jesus Christ visit first? Right. Every time. I mean, Mary, <laughs> and then there's Mary, right? Yeah. But then he's there with the apostles, breaking yeah. bread, yeah. eating fish, yeah. and John 21 coming back. Right. And calling them out of their boat. Right. <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I mean, yeah. he, like the Savior, he just shows us pattern that throughout all history, he coaches yeah. and he mentors his prophets and apostles so that, so that they can guide us and lead us like he would. Yeah, and, and maybe they are the example of the, the phrase he says there in the garden, not my will but thine, right? Uh, if, if anybody on earth has kind of figured that out a little bit, mm-hmm. not perfect at it probably, but... But man, I think the prophets and apostles are are living not not their will. Right? Uh, yeah, at, at their age to be globe trotting like they are, mm-hmm. and it, many of them highly successful in their own careers to to give up retirement and yeah, for and fun a and lot of family money. And, mm-hmm. and and to go and to just give up their lives for the work. Um, I don't know that that's their will. I think yeah. I think they've really are. Are great examples of not my will but thine. And I, I love that line in Matthew 2, and I might just read that. Mm-hmm. Um, after we uh, what we've read where he was exceedingly sorrowful, nigh unto death, uh, Matthew 26, 39 says, He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I think uh, he didn't want to go through this. Right? I mean, and I think yeah. that's maybe a, a lesson for us too. Sometimes the trials we have are horrible and they're hard. And it's okay to not want to go through it. It's yeah. okay to say, hey, I would rather not do this if it's okay. Right? If this, if this is one you can just stop, please stop it. Yeah. But to always be able to say, nevertheless, and then put ever whatever is next in after that. Yeah. Um, I think is so important in our lives to say, I don't want this. This is not what, what I'm looking for right now. Nevertheless, yeah. I understand my perspective is small. My understanding of the, of the why is maybe not even there at all. Yeah. Um, and so if this is what you need me to do, I'll do it. Well said. And, and so in some ways, I mean, it almost feels weird for me to say this, but but in some ways, what we're saying is if, if you ever feel like you've gotten a commandment from God or, or prompting or through, through Heavenly Father by the Spirit or, or from, the, from Heavenly Father by the prophet, right? Yeah. Whichever direction that comes. Or your bishop or your parent. Sure. Or, right, yeah. And you think, I don't want to do this. That, that doesn't define you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. What defines you is what you say next. Yeah. And... And even if you don't want to do it, that does not separate you from Jesus Christ. But in those moments, you're never more like him than when you say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Yeah, I love that. And and we can become like him, right? By Mm -hmm. being that way all the time. I'll do this if this is what I need to do. Yeah, so our 
our initial response doesn't define us necessarily. Rather, our <clears throat> our our actual choice. Yeah, our secondary action. Our secondary action. Yeah, yeah not, not our initial response, but our secondary <clears throat> action defines us as disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I love that. Elder Maxwell said this, since the most innocent suffered the most, our own cries of why cannot match his. Hmm. But we can utter the same submissive word nevertheless, right? Uh, we're, we, if, if anybody had the, had the right to ask why, it was Christ. He didn't, right. which is maybe a, an indication that I shouldn't. Right. Um, and yet, what did he say? He said, nevertheless, that humble second to backseat kind of a, mm -hmm. uh, of a driver, right? Not, yeah. not taking the wheel. And, and uh, I just love that. I, I think there's so much there. And, and, and I love, you know, as we talk about Easter, <clears throat> I love that. Our focus here so far has been uh, on, you know, his overcoming in the garden, his overcoming of death. Um, and, and there was a lot that went on that week, right? A lot that, that happened earlier in the week. The, sure. The, um, just the experiences that are going to happen after the garden, right, with, with Pilate and the people. And, um, but, but maybe, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what else you've got and you want to cover, but, but one of the things I want to make sure we talk about is just the resurrection, just yeah. the, the glorious side of yeah, all of a sudden sure. we've got the Savior back. Yeah. Know, three days later, he's, he's there. And, uh, and I think that is so hopeful to me. It's the, it's the reason the plan is joyful. Right. That there is more than just this life. There is another life where eternity is the is the is the scope. Right. It's not uh, sickness and, and health issues and yeah. getting old and creaking knees and you know all oh, those things that don't you the, get all me started, that goes man. away. Right. Yeah, I was just on a run this morning, and um, in the last, I was about a mm, about a little less than a mile on the way, you know, from getting home, and uh, and my. I just started feeling this pain in my my ankle that like I'd like stop running mm. and I was just I was walking back walking I was fine it didn't hurt to walk but just every time I started running again it hmm. and right now it doesn't hurt but I just was walking back and I was like gosh I am just getting, getting so old. old like this is just <laughs> I was like this is my this is my new life you know <laughs> this is the reality of the next how, how far just 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 for those of us that don't really know how far <laughs> is a typical run for you. Uh, I usually about six miles. Yeah, <laughs> so about half what my wife right, does. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm uh, I'm not uh, even on the same plane as you. When I go and and do a half a mile, I'm I can jog. Hey, that's half good. A mile. There know, we I'm, go. I'm, I'm, I'm working about. myself up, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, get, getting old and having our bodies affect us and affect what we're capable of, and and uh, just they're, they're limiting to us. And and I have I have some people that are very close to me that. Uh, their bodies don't work. Yeah, like they just. I mean, I'm complaining about an ankle thing. I mean, there are people, perhaps listening, who wake up every day with pain. Yeah, who wake up with poor eyesight or poor hearing, sure. with color blindness. With I mean, we could we could talk for hours about the the f issues that we can experience with our bodies. Sure, right. Yeah, and and just the message of the resurrection is just not only to. Um, Raise us from the dead, which is obviously the worst sure. mortal ailment right. that we can experience right. is death, yeah. right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but also that how he resurrected, like we will be resurrected from all these things. Yeah. I mean, we we have our potential, our future is in a perfect body. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. It's actually, 
I don't know because I can't remember, but, but in that plan, in that initial meeting, you know that God and Heavenly Mother have got to be standing there saying, you know, we have these bodies that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And you need to have this. You you want to have this, right? Yeah. And all of us just had to be saying, yeah, that's yeah. like the next thing, right? Please yeah. let me have my body. And, uh, you know, as, as important as all of the other purposes of coming to earth are to learn and to grow, to become like him, um, <clears throat> maybe that is uh, right up there in the top, you know, one or two things that, that was his objective in getting us uh, an earth life experience anyway is just to have the body that we have and and enjoy that. You know, it's interesting just before uh, you continue there that, that uh, in section 138, Joseph F. Smith teaches uh, through some visions that he had that those that... Uh, Is it right here? Oh, are you there? Yeah, yeah there, read man. it. No, do it. You, you <laughs> yeah. were looking it up. We're I right. I, I same page, brother. Same yeah, page. For the dead had looked upon the long absence of their spirits from their bodies as a bondage. Yeah. Speaking of the spirits in spirit paradise and spirit prison. Prison, right. And and prison, <laughs> you know, if you're if you're in paradise, you already understand the plan. You know Christ resurrected for you. Yeah. You know you get your body back. There's that's paradise. You're you're just waiting. Yeah. It's good. It's happy. But in prison, bondage. You, there's no hope. There's no. There's no mm -hmm. glorious resurrection in your future because you don't know about it, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I think it's important to to, to make that distinction because um, I don't think that prison, spirit prison, is bars and chains and you know the things that prison evokes in our mind when sure. we think of that word. But just like Joseph F. Smith said there, that that it is a bondage because there's no there's no path forward. And I think it's so insightful that even in spirit paradise, those spirits felt in bondage because they didn't have a body. Yeah. And it just, to me, it, it illuminates truly the, the majesty and the glorious truths of the resurrection. I mean, the, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that we will all do the same in perfect yeah. resurrected bodies is enormous. I mean, yeah. it's just, I, I find myself taking it for granted a lot. Right. right? What a beautiful message of Easter, right? No matter what your mortal body experience is on earth, your yeah. entire eternity for every soul that is on the earth is in a perfect resurrected body. Yeah, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. And, and <clears throat> like you said, I, I know people who are struggling in life with bodies that are imperfect and <clears throat> maladies and, and deformities. And uh, one of my most tender experiences is I've got uh, in a couple of different experiences, <coughs> excuse me, choir um, that I conduct, uh, I have uh, some students who uh, struggle with Down syndrome. They've, they've been given Down syndrome. And, and I'm not kidding you, those young people that come and sing with Downs, they are so righteous. They are so good. And uh, we had an experience just this last weekend in my own stake. There's a young man... Uh, as I was conducting the state choir um, with Downs, he stands right in the middle of the choir and just sings out, sings out, and it's about three notes that he's singing out That's on. That's so awesome. And it really was. And and as I listen, I think his music is so much better than mine, right? Even if all my notes and all my rhythms are right, yeah. his music is so much better, and I just can't wait for the day when that type that I know um, has a has a body that's corrected mm -hmm. that gets to sing in a choir to yeah. hear that voice 
when it's been taught spiritually to be as clean and as pure and as accurate as it is. I just, I just am so excited to hear That's that amazing. choir, yeah. right? That'd be so amazing. Can you, can you imagine a, the Lord saying, you know, I, maybe it's a, a career aspiration of mine to have the Savior say, Matt, I'd love for you to put together a, a choir of those that had downs on earth. Hmm but in the next life or in the millennium. Yeah, right? yeah, Just yeah. put that choir together. Oh man, in a heartbeat, I put yeah, that choir yeah, together. Right? Yeah. You've, already got, you've already got your yeah. short list in your head. Yeah, man, they're singing out. It, it would be fantastic. And, and there are so many, right, that when you lose physical, physical faculties and capabilities, um, you have a different uh, perspective on things. Can I share one, one personal experience? Of course. And I'm going to call out a student in, in, at the Institute here because she's just fantastic and I think okay. everybody yeah. should know her. Her name's Kate, and uh, Kate is uh, deaf, hard of hearing. And we were talking in uh, a class I teach, answering gospel questions class that she's taken with me. Uh, the question came up, did Jesus ever teach us to close our eyes when we pray? If not, who did? Yeah. Where is it at? And so we went looking. We, we, you know, we're using this gospel resources. We're in, digging around, and uh -huh. we can't find anything. I mean, there's yeah. nothing scriptural. There's, there's experiences where uh, the Savior has the Nephites kneel, for example. So we know kneeling is a thing. Yep. We have paintings of Christ straight up staring at the sky as he's praying in the garden. I mean, mm -hmm. like, right? So there's really nothing we find that, except for some primary songs, right? Where we kneel, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, right? There's a couple of places yeah. like that. Um, and, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't close our eyes. No, but, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> but it was an interesting conversation, an interesting question. And, uh, and Kate's just sitting and listening to this conversation. And she, she raised her hand. She said, well, if I close my eyes, it would be the ultimate sign of disrespect. Because she needs to keep her eyes open to read lips or to see the sign language that's going on in front of her. She said, so I have to keep my eyes open. And then the thought occurred, if, if a deaf person needs to keep their eyes open to hear a prayer, do hearing people need to close their eyes to hear the prayer? Right, the distractions that come when we look around and we're, mm -hmm. but I think we do. I think we have to close our eyes and get rid of that yeah. sense in order to, but Kate, um, just the way she saw that question was so awesome that I have to keep my eyes open to be respectful. Yeah. And so maybe we should close our eyes, those of us that can hear, you yeah. know, to be respectful, right? Yeah. And, and, and maybe there doesn't have to be a doctrine. Maybe I just know that because the, yeah. the Spirit teaches me I should close my eyes and be respectful. And yeah. I don't know, it's just, just cool. And I, I think uh, excited, so excited for people like Kate to get their hearing and to have all that uh, that the Savior offers in the resurrection. Uh, just so cool. Yeah. It's going to be so well cool said. that day. Well, Kyle, this has been fantastic. Um, there's, we could just continue and continue to talk, but of course, uh, yeah. But let's maybe wrap it up. Is there is there anything um, at the Easter season you would just want to make sure everybody's thinking and feeling or uh, remembering back on or uh, keeping first and foremost in their thoughts? Yeah, I just I think the the joy and the glory of it, you know, and we talked a lot about uh, the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through. We talked a lot about the the trials that we have and. And, and not, you know, the intent wasn't to make this podcast depressing, but, but those are precursors to the, the glory and triumph that not only Jesus Christ uh, had, but that like the, the, the glory and triumph and joy that we will experience as mortals will, will always be born and cultivated in, in the wet, muddy, dungy, death, dirt, <laughs> death, like that's, that's, there's just, I, I don't, claim to know everything about it, but 
um, some of the most fond and beautiful experiences of my life were born out of adversity. Yeah. And really, without his death and without his trial, the atonement would not work for us. Right. Right. So we need. And so there's that. hope in that. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's just, it feels weird to say it, right? Yeah. But there's so much hope in the light, of course. Right. And there's so much hope in the darkness, too. Yeah. Yeah. The darkness is part of the light, it comes mm-hmm. before the light. Mm-hmm. Right. Brother Lyons, thank you. This has been fantastic. I just so look forward to having you back on. Thanks, Matt. Yep. See you soon. Thank you.